again, great to see you. Uh, good morning. Uh, what, a, what a pleasure uh, to be with you today, all of these people. So many familiar faces uh, that we just haven't seen here in such a long time. So many new people here as well today. Uh, great to meet you. My name is James. Um, I serve as one of the pastors here at Freedom Village. It's just an honor uh, that you chose to be with us today and to worship with us uh, here in this place. Well, today uh, we're once again walking through Paul's letter uh, to the church at Philippi, known as Philippians. Uh, We know that Paul wrote this letter uh, while in prison uh, for preaching the gospel, uh, for teaching that Jesus is Lord, and that he writes this letter uh, for a couple reasons. Uh, But ultimately he writes to encourage this church uh, to anchor their lives in the supreme worth of Jesus Christ. Uh, It's an amazing letter, uh, full of joy, and it's just been such a blessing to study it um, in this season. I hope, at least that's been true of me, I hope that's been true of you. Uh, Well, today we're going to be in the same passage that we were uh, last week, which starts in chapter 3, verse 12. And just as a a way of reminder, uh, because it's relevant for our time here today, um, here in this passage, Paul is encouraging the church, he's encouraging us to persevere, uh, to keep going, to keep trusting Jesus. He wants us to press on towards the goal of knowing Christ and being with Christ. Uh, In this section of his letter, he's saying to us, whatever you're facing today, uh, trial or tribulation, success or suffering, um, obstacles, he's saying, don't give up. Don't get discouraged. Don't get sidetracked. Keep pressing forward. Keep treasuring Jesus. Why? Because he is worthy. Because he is worth it. Now, last week, we focused on verses 18 through 21, uh, and and we looked at the motivation behind why we should press forward. And what we said was that we press forward, we press on, because Jesus has made us his own, right? We press forward uh, because we have been made citizens of God's kingdom. We press on because we know Jesus is coming back for his church, We strive towards the prize because we have an assurance of a bodily resurrection one day at the return of Christ. Jesus has made us his own, and so we should strive to make him our own. Now today, uh, we're going to look at the how. We're going to look at the how. What does it practically look like uh, to press forward, to strain, uh, to forget what's Behind to stand firm in Christ. In verse 12, again, uh, the Apostle Paul says this. He says, not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own. He says, I press on to know Jesus and to be more like him. Again, because Jesus is worthy. He is the prize because he has, has made us. He has made you and I enemies of the cross, those who were far from him, his own. And so today, in light of all of that, how then do we press on to make Jesus more of our own? How do we do this? What does 
that look like? That's where we're headed today. But before we get into that, um, I do want to lay down a few disclaimers here, um, just so that we have the right heart uh, and the right mind going into this text. And so, uh, first of all, I I just want to talk to you about why this is important, why this matters. Because if Jesus is already our own, when we put our faith and trust in him, why do we need to press on to make him our own? Right? If Jesus is already our own, why do we need to press on to make him our own? And that's where you need to understand uh, the difference between our position and our condition before God. You see, we know that when we place a living and active trust in Jesus Christ, when we put Jesus on the throne of our lives, at that moment, we are declared not guilty, innocent. We are declared righteous before God, not because of anything that we have done, but because of Jesus' work on our behalf. We are saved, we know, we are saved by grace through faith in Jesus. So that's our position before God. But our condition is different, okay? We know that following Jesus is a process. And so, yes, we belong to Jesus. Jesus has made us his own. That's our position. But at the same time, Jesus is not not yet fully ours. We don't know him fully. We don't love him completely. We don't trust him totally. We are not fully like him, meaning our condition, unlike our position, can be improved. It can be transformed and changed. And so here in Philippians 3, Paul is talking about our condition. We, believe, we belong to Christ. We are secure. If you are in Christ, you are secure in the arms of the Lord because of the work of Jesus on the cross, and through his resurrection. But our condition with God still needs to be worked out. We need to keep growing. Right? Make sense? And listen, this is important because if you're a follower of Jesus, if you're a follower of Jesus here today, if you are genuinely born again with a living and active trust in Jesus, you should, you will naturally desire to grow. That actually a lack of pressing on, a lack of striving towards Christ reflects a lack of genuine conversion of the heart. Listen, a a true disciple of Jesus will be marked by pressing on through thick and thin. And so this matters. Pressing on gives evidence of the genuineness of our faith. Pressing on will deepen your joy. And particularly through times of struggle, if we are pressing on, we will display to the world, to those who are in desperate need of Jesus, we will display to them the supremacy and worth of Christ. And so we need to learn to press on. And so now let's learn how to do that, okay? I'm going to walk us through a few guidelines that we're going to do today. Walk us through a few guidelines for pressing on towards the prize that is Jesus. 
guidelines for pressing on to align our condition with our position in Christ. And so guideline number one, this is where we start. To press on, we must rely on God's grace. You want to press on, you need to rely on God's grace. Now, uh, when we think of grace, when we think of grace, we tend to think of uh, forgiving grace, right? And that's certainly important. It's a key component to uh, grace, right? We talk about that a lot here, um, and it's necessary to do that. But we need to know that God's grace not only forgives us, but his grace also empowers us, that his grace gives us strength to change, to be transformed, and to follow him. And so follow me here. You know, I used to think, especially when I was younger in my faith, and honestly, even when I started um, my pastoral ministry, I used to believe and used to think that when we talked about God's power and God's strength, that we were talking about like some sort of divine Red Bull infusion, right, that came out of the sky and then landed on us or landed on me depending on my need. Like there was this, like I'm in need, I have no power and strength, I'm walking up here and then I'm like, good, let's go preach the gospel, you know, repent, believe, you know, that's what I used to think, right? Um, Like there was, again, this sort of supernatural uh, boost that I had to access to to speak well, right, to preach, to to, to live according to God's ways and his word, right, whatever it is. But but what I found, what I found in my life um, is that in times when that boost, right, didn't come, I ended up thinking that God wasn't empowering me, that I didn't have God's power in my life, meaning that I must be doing something wrong. But as my relationship with Jesus grew, when I dove deeper, dug deeper into his word, I found that experiencing God's empowering grace, tapping into his strength, was actually really simple. In fact, It's so easy that it's almost hard to believe. What I found is this. To get that grace, that strength, all you need to do is trust him. That's it. Trust him. And, And you can hear this all throughout Paul's words here in this section of Philippians. In verse 12, he says, Jesus has made me his own. In verse 15, he says, God will reveal Verse 20, our citizenship is in heaven. Verse 21, he will transform us. Can you hear the trust in that? And so you see, as we trust Jesus and his promises and his provisions, we will be empowered to change. This is part of what it means to rely on God's grace, to trust in his strength and his sufficiency. And so let me give you a a couple of examples of how this works out in our everyday lives, right? So Jesus says that if you belong to him, if you belong to him today, that you are an adopted child of God sitting under the love of God, right? That's true of you. And so if you truly know that and, and trust him in that, that should give you strength 
to overcome your shame, your guilt. It should move you, compel you, strengthen you to overcome or to say no to sin. Jesus says that you are fully loved and accepted by God. Yes, you believe that? And so if you lean into that truth, if you truly, like genuinely trust him in that, that will give you strength and fortitude to move past our people-pleasing tendencies. Jesus promises, he says that he will work everything out for the good of those who love him. And so if you trust him in that, if you genuinely take him at his word, then you will find yourself having strength amidst your suffering. You should. That you will find hope in your trials because you actually trust God will work this out for my good. And so this is about choosing to believe that Jesus is actually trustworthy. That's all this is. It's considering who Jesus is, his promises again, his provisions, and saying that I believe, I'm here and I believe what Jesus says applies to me in my life. Regardless of everything else that my feelings and my emotions might be telling me, regardless of what somebody else might be speaking into my life, regardless of the lies that I keep hearing about myself from the enemy, I'm going to choose to believe that Jesus is trustworthy and take him at his word. And if you do that, listen, if you do that, you will have Jesus's gracious empowerment to keep you pressing on. We will have, you will have real strength to change. Right? We don't have the power within ourselves to change and to press on. We don't. That's why we need God's grace, why we need his power, why we need his strength. And so we need to depend on him, lean on him, ask Jesus to give us more faith, and then believe that he will be gracious to supply the grace that we need. It's so simple, right? It's so simple, and yet so deeply and powerfully profound. To press on, we must rely on God's grace. Guideline number two. Guideline number two. To press on, we must know ourselves. To press on, we must know ourselves. We must know ourselves. This passage highlights Paul's own self-knowledge, actually. Look with me here. Two times, he actually highlights he's not perfect. Did you catch that? He says, I still have work to do. That's what he's saying. In verse 12, he says this, not that I have already obtained this or I'm already perfect. And in verse 13, he says, brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own. Right? And let's understand, I think we can miss this if we're not careful, right? This is Paul 30 years after his conversion, Right? Paul, 30 years after his conversion, saying, I still have work to do. I'm still growing. Right? I'm not perfect. I don't know Jesus perfectly. And I'm not like Jesus perfectly. Right? He's telling the church that he's still a work in progress. He's not what he should be. 
And yet at the same time, he's still pressing on and still straining forward. Right? And we can all relate to that. Amen? We can all relate to that, can't we? I can. I've been truly following Jesus for somewhere around 16 years now. Even grew up in the church, but truly following Jesus for about 16 years now. And I know, I was thinking about this as I was writing, I certainly have not arrived. I am still growing. There is still a lot for me to learn. I, I was thinking even about Philippians. Some of you would, would leave. But I was thinking, I could finish Philippians in two weeks, which I will, and then just say, hey, we have a brand new sermon series. We're studying the book of Philippians. Uh, some of you would leave. But, but that's, you're like, we've been in here for like four months. Please, get up, like, move on. But, but that's how much there is to learn. That's how much there is to know. And the way that I know that is this, right? A couple weeks ago, we talked about how in Philippians, the Apostle Paul says, um, don't grumble and don't complain. How many of you have grumbled and complained since the sermon? Okay, so we need to preach it again. That's my point. We're still growing. We're still learning. We haven't arrived, right? And so listen, Paul is telling us here that followers of Jesus, what he's really saying is followers of Jesus still struggle with sin. We still struggle with sin, which means that we shouldn't be shocked by our own sin, by our need for ongoing growth, or, or the sin of others around us and their need for ongoing growth. Right? Following Jesus Christ is a journey. It's a growth in grace, not a growth in perfection. And so we have to have Uh, Hear me in this, and I'll try to expound on it, but we have to have appropriate expectations of ourselves and others as we walk through this life following Jesus. Right, 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 18 says this, grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Peter says, grow, grow. There's still work to be done. Or 1 Corinthians 13, Paul says this, for now... Right now, we see in a mirror dimly, but then later, face to face. Now I know in part, right now in my current state, I know in part, then at his return, at the return of Christ, then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. So again, this life is about growth in grace, which should be a very, very real encouragement for all of us who follow Jesus and yet still struggle. Right? And that should be all of us. Right? So you need to know this today. you, you got to know this today. That you're not an outsider. You're not abnormal. You're not worthy of shame if you follow Jesus and yet really struggle. If you're in that place right now. We all struggle in many ways. We just don't talk about it that much. And so knowing that, knowing that's true, hear me, whenever anyone confesses a struggle, a sin, a temptation, there should be no surprises among us, the church. It doesn't matter the sin. Someone lied. If they're a hypocrite, they doubt, they're doubting their faith in Jesus right now, struggling with depression, addicted to alcohol, 
pornography, maybe someone that they confess to you, they're struggling with same-sex attraction. We do not flinch at that. We don't cringe at people and back away from them when we hear their sin. Never. Right? Jesus never, never flinched at your sin, right? He didn't look at us and our sin and cringe like, ew, like, get away from me. Did he? No, not at all. He actually, what did he do? He actually moved towards us. And so we should move towards others in the exact same way. The church, listen, this is a tragedy because it's not the case, but the church should be the safest place on the planet. It should be a place where imperfect people, knowing they're imperfect, can come, share, be truly known, be truly loved, and be truly healed. And I, I pray, I hope that we would be a church like that. And, and let, me, let me say this as well, just in case uh, you don't, you're, you're misunderstanding. That doesn't mean, and I'm not saying that sin is okay here, okay? Or just we just brush sin under the table and move on, right? It doesn't, but at the same time, it does mean that this should be a safe place to get help with your sin. It's like a hospital. We're all coming in here. We all have these sicknesses and ailments. And thankfully, right, we have the medicine, right? We got the answer. So we must know ourselves. Know that we haven't arrived and know that we have a long way to go. And that reality should produce in us a deep humility and a deep sense of our ongoing need of Jesus and his grace. Look at what Paul says in verse 15. He says this, Let those of us who are mature think this way, have this state of mind. Now, it's pretty interesting what Paul does here. Um, That word mature there, um, it's actually the same word used in verse 12 for perfect. So if you have a copy of God's word in front of you, you can see this. In verse 12, Paul says, I am not perfect, or he says mature. And then in here, in verse 15, he says, let those of us who are perfect or mature think this way. Right? And that seems really confusing, right? Because Like, are we perfect, Paul, or are we not? You just said none of us are perfect, and then you said, well, those of us who are perfect, right? And so what is he doing? Well, almost every single scholar, New Testament scholar agrees, Greek scholar agrees, that what Paul is doing here is giving us sort of a play on words, actually. Paul is saying, if you're really mature, then you will realize that you're not yet mature, right? That's the point, okay? If you're really mature in Christ you fully realize you are not yet mature in Christ. That's how it works. It's, again, having self-knowledge. It's knowing ourselves. And so, simple question for for you today. Do you know yourself? Uh, Especially spiritually. Um, I'll ask it this way. Do you know what stokes your affections for Jesus Christ? What things sort of uh, are, are... sort of stoke the fire of your faith. Like for me, and I kind of already mentioned this um, like earlier, even before the sermon, like, but, but for me, it's, it's worship. Not playing, right? I've said this all the times. I wish I could be up here. I dream about it sometimes, right? I'm just like, yeah, it would be amazing if I could do it. I can't, can't do it. Right? God didn't give me that, gift me that way. Right? But, 
I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> All right? <laughs> but, but, right, there is nothing, actually, there's nothing that stirs my heart more than worship. I, I love worshiping God, particularly with his people, with the body of Christ, which is why I love gathering as the church. Like, I, I was thinking about this, like, I need this. I don't know about you. I need this, actually. This is essential, essential for me and my life. I got to be here. That's why, like I said before, I just confessed to you, down in the hallway, I'm listening to you worship, and it just brings me to tears. I just love, love worshiping the Lord with the body of Christ. It stokes my heart. It makes me want to press on. It makes me want to move forward. And so what about you? What stokes your heart for Jesus? And on the flip side, what shrinks your affections? Think about that. Like, what are, what are the things in your life that tend to stomp out, put out, right, your passion for Jesus? What tends to cool off your affections, right? And similarly, uh, you need to know when you're the most vulnerable to sin, to despair, right, to doubting God's goodness, And so what are the things, what are the people, what are the places that tend to pull your heart away from the things of Jesus Christ in the gospel? Like, do you know? Like, if I asked you today, would you be able to answer that? Right? And so we need to take inventory of our hearts to find those answers so that when we know them, then we can guard ourselves against them. If we want to press on to make Jesus our own, we need to know ourselves. Guideline number three. Guideline number three. To press on, we must stay focused on Jesus. We must stay focused on Jesus. In verse 13, Paul says this. Forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. The emphasis here, by the way, is on the straining He's emphasizing here in the Greek, it's on the straining, not the forgetting. But, but the imagery here is a really helpful, I think. It's really uh, helpful. Have you ever been out running? I'm going to lose some of you right now. You've never been on a run. But have you ever been out running? You can, imagine, you can just imagine it. Have you ever been out running, and as you're running, you try to look behind yourself as you run? And you can't try to do that. Hey, not only is that awkward, Right? But typically, it doesn't work out very well. Right? You're going to trip. You're going to move off the course, off the path. Um, you're going to bump into someone or you're going to bump into something. Right? And some of you, like, you're, like, you're strong and you're like, oh, pre- you're going to go out this afternoon and do a run and try to do the whole thing like this. Right? You're going to do it. Pastor James says, I can't do it. I'm going to do it. Right? That would probably be me. If I was listening to myself being, you, you, can't, run back, you can't run forward looking backwards. You'll try. Um, But it typically doesn't work out that well. And that's actually what Paul is getting at here. He says, forget what lies behind. He says, don't get distracted, uh, distracted. Don't be hindered. Don't be weighed down by your past and the things of your past. He's saying, don't rest on your past achievements or your past failures. Right? And we all know this, right? Because we experience this. It's so easy to get hung up on past guilt. It's so easy to be, to be sitting in like past grudges, past bitterness, 
right? It's so easy to dwell on the things that are failures in the past, right? Or the things that we wish we would have done, right? We are so affected, in fact, we are so affected by the past that it often paralyzes us in the present, right? We say things like, well, well, God can never use me because this happened to me, or I did this thing, and so Jesus just, he can't love me. I know what you're saying, but he can't, right? I'm just stuck, right? And Paul is saying, put that behind, right? He's not saying, forget it, like, um, brainwash yourself and scrub those bad things out of your memory. He's not saying that. He's just saying, don't make it the focus of your life. Don't be defined by your past. Instead, put your focus, put your gaze, put your eyes on Jesus, your King, your Lord, your Savior, your refuge, your help. Keep your eyes on Jesus, the prize. Get to know him really well, really well. And I promise you, the more that you get to know Jesus, the more that you will enjoy him and the easier it will be to run after him and the things of him. The more you get to know him, the more you taste and savor Christ and his goodness, the less attractive the things in the world will be. And practically, how do we, how do we cultivate this? Right? How, do we, uh, how, do, how do we stay focused on Jesus? Again, simple, but primarily through spiritual disciplines, or I like the term better, habits of grace. Habits of grace. We engage in these God-designed tools that help stoke our affections and desires for Jesus. And so if you want to press on today, it requires that you and I get the word of God in us. Right? I know, right, and I do this too, I know that we like to say, it's sort of an English phrase, we like to say, oh, I, I love, or I'm getting in the word today. Or I'm just going to, have you gotten in the word today? You've heard that before. And there's nothing wrong with that, really, not, nothing theologically, but more so than being in the word, right? We need God's word in us. And so maybe use that phrase instead. We go to the word and we put the word of God in us. Why? Because that's where God talks to us. Right? That's where he's revealed himself to us. It's how, how we know everything, actually. Who he is, who we are, where we're going, all his promises. Right? It's incredible. It's incredible. And so press on, press on, strain forward by setting aside unhurried time to be with the Lord. Sounds almost like counterproductive, doesn't it? But run fast towards Jesus by sitting still with God. And again, we don't do this to earn our position with God. This is all about our condition. That to follow him more, to look like Jesus more, we actually need to be with him more, right? That just, that just makes practical sense. And so what does that look like for you? What does that look like for you today? Especially in this season, right? It, things have been all off with COVID and in and out of community, all that. What, is your, what, what does that look like for you right now? So I ask, like, what's your plan? What's your routine for this? Maybe you're here today, you're going to try to read the Bible through a year. Great. Maybe you're going to try to do it in two years. Awesome. Three years. Fantastic. Right? Maybe you're like, oh, I just want to read through the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, in a year. It doesn't matter. Right? Just have a plan. And, and, and with that, where do you spend time with Jesus? Where? And when? 
Right? I think it's really helpful to be consistent with that. Right? Have your quiet place. Squ- schedule that time that you would uh, schedule that time just like you would schedule any other thing or any other meeting in your life and prioritize it, right? Uh, make it non-negotiable, right? You want to be convicted about it? Okay, I'll help you, right? You have a work schedule. Most of every single person here does have a work schedule. If you don't, maybe you're a student, you have a class schedule, don't you? My guess is you do a really good job of being at work every day, on time-ish, <laughs> right? And staying until they ask, until they tell you, you got to stay. Or being in class on time and staying. You don't just like walk out when the professor's like in the middle of a lecture, right? Probably not. Otherwise, what's going to happen? Like you're going to get fired, right? Or you're going to fail your classes, right? And so schedule a time and place with Jesus and keep it. Have that same mindset about yourself. And then let me say this as well. Someone once told me this a long time ago, and I found it really helpful to my own life. Really helpful. But don't leave your time with God. Don't leave until you have at least one gospel truth that you can take away with you that day. See, when we spend time with the Lord and take nothing specific away, it's like, I think we can relate to this, I hope. It's like going to the refrigerator, opening it up, looking around, and then closing it without getting any food. We've all been there, right? Like, especially when you're bored. You get up, and you're like, hey, I'll go to the fridge. You open it, you look around, and you're like, ah, all right. And then you walk away, and then you go back, right? <laughs> and you're like, hmm, and then you close it, right? You do that. We've all been there. But if you do that long enough, if you keep doing this, peeking in and closing it, what's going to happen? You're going to starve, Right? You might be opening up the fridge again and again, all day, all night long. But the whole point of opening up the refrigerator is taking something tasty and nourishing out of it. And similarly, with God's word, the whole point of opening it up is to take something out of it, to grab something to eat, to find nourishment for our souls. Now, I only focus on God's word here as an example But of course, there's so many other means of grace, right? So many others. There's so much I could have said about prayer. And we'll have a whole uh, focus on prayer in January coming when we go through 21 days of prayer and fasting. We're going to have that time, so it's coming. I could have talked about fasting, which we will again in January, how it teaches us about our need and uh, about God's sufficiency. Or I could have talked about the discipline of generosity and, and giving, how that teaches us about God's provision and his care or I could have emphasized uh, serving, which, which reminds us how much that we've been served. Right? All of these are God-designed tools to help us focus on Jesus and therefore to keep us moving forward, to keep us pressing on. And then the last thing I'll say on this is, is to just aim to do this with others. Right? Don't go at this alone. And, and by the way, there's no need for you, there's no good reason for you I think at least here in our context, for you to go about this alone, right? Tell somebody what you're doing and maybe share with them what you're learning, right? Find someone to read the same Bible plan as you, right? Find someone to pray regularly with you. I know some of you already do that, actually, that you call and you have a certain 
time of the week or um, certain days of the week that you call each other and you pray together. That's amazing. Keep going, right? It's so important to be in regular, consistent relationships with others to help us stay focused on Jesus. And that's what Paul is really talking about in verse 17. He says this, brothers, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us, right? And this is not Paul being arrogant here, right? Like, hey, I have this all figured out. He's just saying, my example, my example is only worthwhile provided that it points you to Jesus. And for our growth, for our growth, for your growth and maturity, we need this. We need to be with others. We need to be looking at other examples. We need to be surrounded by others whose aim is also pressing on towards the prize that is Christ. Right now, of course, okay, and you know this, but I'll remind you, no one is Jesus. Right? No one in your life, no one you know is Jesus. And so more than likely, what will happen is that we will see Jesus in different ways amongst different people. Right? And that's certainly the case with me in my life. And so even here at Freedom Village, whether you know this or not, um, even here, I look at people and I say to myself, oh, I, I want to really move towards other people like him. Oh, oh God, I, I want to, that's so Christ-like, I want to pray like she does. I want to be as gracious and generous as they are. I want to be as, as quick to forgive as he is. I want to have a servant's heart. Some of you, I look at you and I'm just amazed. You're willing to do anything, anytime, anywhere. I, I, I look at your heart and say, well, I want to have a servant heart just like her. Right? And so, again, we are pursuing Jesus together, running together, pressing on together. And one of the ways we do that is learning to stay focused on Jesus. And then lastly, and this is a short one, lastly, to press on, we must put forth effort, okay? We must put forth effort. There's effort involved in this. There's fortitude, in not giving up. You could have said that as well. You could have said to press on, we must not give up, right? We must put forth effort. Paul says in verse 16, this is right on par with the rest of what he says. He says, only let us hold true to what we have attained. Now, all of this language, right? All of this language throughout this text, we've been studying it the last two weeks. All of this language, it's about, about straining, right? Forgetting what lies behind, pressing on. And now here, he's saying, hold, hold true. If that tells us, if, if, if this tells us anything, it tells us that there is effort and energy involved in following Jesus, right? It takes effort to make Jesus our own. And that doesn't mean, I think I've been hinting around this, but I'll say it more explicitly. That doesn't mean that we are frantically running around, right? It doesn't mean like we're like, like Jesus is he's taken off like on a bus and we're like holding on to the bumper for dear life, like in a panicky sweat. I gotta just hold on to Jesus. I gotta make it to the end. Right? There should actually be no worry, no anxiety, no insecurity in this pressing on to make Jesus our own. 
Why? Because again, we know our position, our standing with Jesus is secure. Right? Again, we are dealing with our condition here. This is about our condition. Because, because our position is secure, we should be compelled, we should be motivated to put effort towards the goal of knowing Christ. Right? Our standing in Jesus, the firm foundation, it should encourage us to keep going, to throw off sin that entangles and ensnares, It should encourage us to fight the good fight, to run the race that's set out before us, to keep looking ahead to his promises, to rely on his provision. Paul says, only let us hold true to what we have attained. He's essentially saying, no matter where you're at right now, no matter where you're at in your life, if you're in Christ, don't get discouraged. Again, don't get sidetracked. Keep moving forward. He's saying, really saying, take the next step. So, so this pressing on, this pressing on, it doesn't have to be this big, grandiose, overwhelming thing. I know I've given you a lot of stuff here, right, from the Word to think about today. But don't, please, don't leave here today. If you're a follower of Jesus, do not leave here being overwhelmed. Just ask yourself as you walk out of here. Don't leave without doing this, by the way. Ask yourself, what's my next step? Not... The next hundred steps. Some of you are like me, and you're going to do that, right? I cannot, I cannot focus on today. I I can, I don't, should say. I, if you ask me, like, oh, what's going on? I'm like, well, like, let's see, 2025. This is what I'm thinking. That's just who I am, right? Staff drives them crazy sometimes, right here, right? So I am, but don't do that. Don't focus on the next hundred steps. Ask yourself, what's the next step? Right? Maybe, maybe you're here today and you just need to make a simple commitment to be more consistent in the Word of God again. For others of you, your next step is prayer. Right? You're here today and you know, because I briefly mentioned prayer, I talked a lot more about the Word of God, and you were at ease because I didn't get on prayer. Right? But I'll say, you're convicted about prayer right now because you know, you know, and God knows, you don't pray. Which is actually affecting your ability to keep your eyes on Jesus. And then you wonder why you're so distracted. Or you're always complaining, bitter, frustrated. I go on and on. Because you're just not rooted in prayer. Your life is rooted in prayer. If that's you, hey, we love you. God loves you. Right? God's grace is greater. But tell someone. Ask someone to keep you accountable before the end of the day today. Don't, don't let the sun go down before you do this. Ask someone, hey, will you pray with me? Will you keep me accountable? I know that there are people here for a fact who would love to do that with you. Or maybe for some of us in this season, in this very season, the next step to pressing on is just making up your mind to be regularly back here for Sunday gatherings. That's where you're at. That's your next step. And you already know, you already know right now it's going to be a struggle for you. Right? Some of you, you're, you're, on, you're home watching online. And again, I'm not saying those of you who still have concern about the coronavirus, and that's a genuine concern, right? Okay, we, we're, we're not saying anything about that, right? Maybe because of your certain position at job, or you have a, a, a family member who is, you know, more vulnerable place. We understand that. We're gracious with that. But there's, other, there's others, again, that now, now it'll become a, an excuse. And it's going to be a struggle for you to just get here for the very first time. And a lot of us who are here today in person, you know this, right? You know, 
this is exciting, right? It's like Easter almost, like Mother's Day. It's like, hey, we're 50%. You're going to be there? You're going to be there? All right, we're going to go. Let's see next week. Right? Because you know it's hard. It's not easy, right? Because you kids, it's not easy getting your kids ready, getting fed, doing the kids online, and getting here. It's not easy, right? It's not easy. Some of you work in Hogwans, you work late. It's not easy getting up in the morning, being here, right? And so that's your next step. Maybe you just need to pray today. You need to pray or find someone to pray with you. You say this, Jesus, help me. Help me to love your people more than I love myself. Help me to love the church, your bride. This isn't about Freedom Village. It's not about me. It's not like pleasing me. So understand, this is the bride of Christ. How can you say you love Jesus and kind of dislike his bride? That's strange, right? You should want to be here. It, it, does, it wouldn't make sense if you're like, you know, I like, I like Jesus, but I don't really like to be with his people, the people he loves, people he died for. Eh, that's an afterthought. It doesn't make sense, right? And so just pray. You need a change of heart. I do sometimes too, right? I do sometimes too. God, help me to love your people. Help me to desire to serve. Help me to be and to, to prioritize, prioritize regular community again. I want to build that rhythm in my life again for my good, because you say, and I trust, you say it's my, for my good, but also for your glory. I know this is what you want me to do. Right? We talked about it in prayer. Nathan, uh, he's in the back there. He led us through our, commu- uh, our, our prayer, corporate prayer last night. That was the focus. I was so thankful. He brought us through you know, Hebrews chapter 10. He's saying, don't, don't forsake the gathering, as is the habit of some. He brought us through that, right? It is the habit of some. That's our flesh, to not want to be here. Jesus desires that you gather with the church, okay? You don't go to church. We are the church, but to gather as the church. That's his desire for your life. That's your next step. Or maybe today, you know that there's a particular sin in your life you're struggling with. And so your next step is just going to Jesus in prayer. Again, maybe bringing somebody into that with you and saying, Lord, help me to believe. Help me, please believe that your promises are true. Help me to believe that you are better. You're better. And then from there, you figure out a way to turn, to turn away from that thing, that place, that person, and once again, turn to Jesus. So what's your next step today? What's your next step? Whatever it is, let me encourage you, move forward. God's encouragement for you today, don't give up. Keep pressing on. Hold on to Christ because you are secure in him. So let me sum this up for us today. To press on, to press on, we need to rely on God's grace, his strength. We must know ourselves that we are a work in progress. We must focus, fix our eyes on Jesus. Why? Because we are not defined by our past. And we must put forth effort towards this. Why? Because Jesus has made us his own. Keep working out your salvation, church family. Do not give up. Don't go at this alone. You don't have to. You shouldn't. Listen, if you belong to Jesus today, if he has made you his own. He loves you. He wants you to flourish. He wants to maximize your joy today. And he wants you to be useful for him and his kingdom. Our position before 
the Lord God, Jesus Christ, it is firm, it is secure. He has made us his own. So let's press on. Let me pray for you.